0: HAPN conference this week but a few years ago down there I heard uh, I I don't know Chris when you probably were commissioned or you prayed or something and uh, when it was over with I went over and met him talked to him a while in fact I think I might have called you once or sent you a message or something and then last year At the conference when it was over, Angie said, Dad, we've got to have that man to come. So Chris lives in Virginia Beach, Virginia. His wife and his three daughters and a new baby boy. They have a church. So come on, stand up. Let's give praise to God for the man of God that's going to share the word this morning and tonight in Jesus' name. And Chris, you know you have authority and permission to share whatever God gives you for this house. We're ready for it. Yes, Amen. We love you and bless you. Okay. You can be
1: seated. Hallelujah. Yes, please be seated. Oh no well, after this bald head starts dripping, maybe I think I'm good for now. Wow, what an honor to be with all of you this morning i um, very grateful to have the privilege of standing in this, uh, this space because I honor your pastors. I'm very grateful for uh, their lives and their service. It always blesses me when I see people who have taken a stand um, and had the courage to maintain it. Let me just put it that way. And there are decades of service to this city, to this community represented by this precious couple and their children. And I thank God for your labor of love, to see the kingdom advance, to see the purposes of God brought forward, and the fact that you have had the tenacity to stay the course. Because how many of you all know that it's not an easy thing to do when you are consistent in plowing and sowing and... And all of the things that are necessary to see harvest come forth. And there are times, if we're honest, that uh, in all of that, you don't necessarily see the results uh, that your heart longs to see. But I I want you to realize this, that in the midst of all of that, the Lord of the Harvest... His eyes are never taken off of the fields in which his people have labored and sown seeds. And they may look like they're not producing. But the word of God says in First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says that the word of God, the seed of the word of God is incorruptible. Which means it never degrades, it'll never die. It can be dormant for a season. But it's going to produce and bring forth fruit. The purpose for which it was sown. And so I thank God for you two. Let's thank God for Pastor Gerald and Pastor Dixie this morning. <laughs> Pastor Angie, Rob, I love you guys. You phenomenal couple. Had dinner with them last night and had the best New York strip I've ever put my mouth on. This man's got some talent on that barbecue grill. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Amen. So I thank God for you. I was also comforted when I saw you walk up. I said, This is a man. When I first met you, I said, This is a man after my own heart. But you solidified that reality when you walked over, when you walked up here this afternoon, excuse me, this morning, and he was packing. <laughs> I said, That's my man right there. I appreciate the, yes sir, I love it. My father's in law enforcement. I come from a long lineage of service, both military and public service. My dad retired after 23 years in the United States Navy, retired as a command master chief, uh, did tours in the Indian Ocean crisis, uh, was deployed in Afghanistan. Tremendous man of God, warrior for the kingdom and warrior for this country, who's given his life to serve it. He's also the chief of police for Regent University, um, serves Dr. Pat Robertson there and has he's one of the vice presidents of CBN and Regent and I have multiple cousins and uh, across my entire generations that have fought on battlefronts from Korea to Vietnam and we bleed red white and blue. Come on. So I'm grateful for warriors men and women who stand up for the purpose of God for this nation it's always baffled me I'm just talking okay we'll talk our way into preaching in just a moment are y'all okay amen okay so just hang with me for a minute so I'm always baffled at people I don't understand it I don't understand people who say things like uh you know, I'm just about the kingdom and I don't get involved in, you know, politics or government because, you know, I, I, so how many of you have ever heard that? That the church should stay out of those things and we should just be focused on advancing the kingdom. Well, how do you think the kingdom advances? it's it, it, it's not in the can I just say this so so where is your practical field of labor where where are you seeing the kingdom come because the reality is is if we're not engaged within the spheres of society there has to be a voice and a representation of who Christ is on all of how many even know the enemy doesn't care about the borders of, of of sacred and secular he doesn't care about those borders those are borders that confine the church not his kingdom not what he's doing he crosses those borders he raises up people that will go according to his agenda to forward his purpose and it's just been the church that stands on the sidelines and relinquishes our role of influence in the spheres of influence in our culture amen Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it just, it burns me up. I I just, I don't understand that because that's the practical way we bring the kingdom. And I wrote something a a while ago was getting a lot of flack uh, from people because of some of the stances that I've taken and things that I've, as a matter of fact, lost a lot of friends, lost a lot of congregants, family members who don't speak to me anymore. I mean, you know, there's a price. When you stand on the side of truth, there's some, everybody's not going to like it. And guess what? That's okay. Because there's not in, in, me, in my life what I've recognized is this. You cannot pacify that spirit. See, for a long time, I allowed, because I didn't want to ruffle feathers and I didn't want to uh, bring offense because my, uh, it was under the guise of I want to win these people, right? That's how the enemy always plays it. I want to win these people. I want them to, I want them to come to know the Jesus that I've come to know. And so, in other words, you walk this fine line of not necessarily uh, stepping all the way over into compromise, but not necessarily being vocal about what is true either. Come on. And then all of a sudden, the Lord began to stir up my spirit and said, you know, as you're you're, uh, patty-caking and placating this thing, you can't pacify the spirit of the world. You understand? It's an insatiable appetite because as soon as you give an inch, it's going to continue to consume until it dominates come on i mean if you know the world system is not after our it's not just after our uh um what do they call it what's the word they use tolerance oh boy i'm about to get in trouble already they're not just after our tolerance. You know they, that, that's the way the, that spirit sells it, is it just wants you to see just we, we have to be tolerant. Well, listen, I got I news for you. It doesn't tolerate any other opinion other than its own. Do you understand that? There's only one, uh, uh, and, it, and it doesn't even want toleration. It wants agreement. It wants you to be, unless we're lockstep and, and, and vocally in support of, that's what it wants. And so as the body of Christ, and now I'm kind of finding my way into what I want to speak to you about this morning. As the body of Christ, we've, we've never seen the level of warfare that we're dealing with in this, in this climate in our nation that we are right now. And I was looking at the, uh, the picture that's behind us from Acts chapter 3, the gate called beautiful. And if you remember the account of Peter and John, they're going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. This is Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. They're going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, and there is a lame man who is laid daily at the entrance of the gate. And while they're going up, he's begging for alms. This is verses 2 and 3. He's begging for alms as he did every day, but little did he know that living gateways of the king of glory were going to be coming to the right time gate at the right time. Come on. The Kairos moment of God, the living gateways of the king of glory were going to be coming to the right time gate. Come on. And as they got up to the right time gate, this man was doing what he, was always, what he had always done. How many of you know that life will do that with us sometimes? We'll be going through the routine moments, and all of a sudden, Kronos time is interrupted with Kairos time, and there's a divine moment that takes place, is what Rob was talking about with the suddenlies, that God doesn't need. All of this is in the plan and the purpose and the mind of God, the counsel of God, and even, he doesn't need our awareness of what's about to happen. We're, sometimes we're completely clueless that we're about to be interrupted by a divine moment. And here's this man doing what he always did, expecting what he always got. Some people passed by, some people threw to placate him. They threw a couple of denarii into his, into his cup to, you know, shut him up. And when Peter and John heard this man who was lame from his mother's womb. Peter looked at the man, fixed his gaze on him. And in verse four, he said, silver and gold, have I none, but such as I have, but before, but, but you can, I just mention something that he does before that he says, look on us. Causes the man's gaze Life has a way of beating us into a place that we don't, even, we've, we, we don't even realize that we've been beaten to the place that it's hard for us to even lift our heads. It's hard for us to even look up anymore. And though we are still active and we still go to work or come to church or say the right things and have the right vocabulary in our souls, we've been beaten into a place of low expectation. We've been beaten to the point where we don't expect anything other than what we've always got. We can say the right words. We can have all of the right Christianese and lingo and make all of the right, you know, uh, proclamations out of our mouth. But in in the inside, we have no expectation for things to be any different than what they've always been. That's where this man was. That's why Peter said, look on us. Lift your gaze. Man, that's a bold statement. That's a bold statement. Look on us. See, this is where the Lord wants the church. Look on us. Because here's the, you remember when Jesus said, he said, when, he, he said the kingdom of heaven, this is in the, in the gospel of Luke, he said it's neither here nor there, but the kingdom of heaven is within you. That's what Peter and John were saying to this man. Here comes the kingdom. When we came here, the king came with us. And the place that you've been, No matter what has transpired in your life to this point, everything's about to change. And all of a sudden this man's life changed in an instant. And I got news for you today that the Lord is desiring, this is the way he's encountering his people in this hour. He is encountering us in the same way That this man encountered peter and john he's calling us out of the place of 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 the battering of the soul of the place of having our expectations dashed so many times that we refuse to look up come on well let me give it to you this way are y'all still okay amen good (laughs) so You know, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, right? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled. Some translations say a desired fulfilled is a tree of life. And I got to tell you something. Daniel 1132 in this hour of history, what God is looking for, for a long time all of us desire. How many in your life you have desired to see God's, the, the anointing, the presence, and the power of God may manifest through your life? You want to see the kingdom of God in manifestation, and that's a hunger and a desire on the inside of you. And, and I got to tell you something. The enemy realizes that, and he also realizes that his greatest power, he's already been stripped of of his power he's already been stripped come on and made pu- a public display of in the heavenlies being brought down from his lofty place of power that he usurped from adam and eve when he tempted them in the garden jesus has already vanquished that foe and made a public display and humiliated him before the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms so his greatest power over us is the power of suggestion. Remember I was talking about the the spirit of the world, it wants agreement because the only way it finds access is through agreement. It needs for us to give it place and to give it access through our agreement. We have to come in alignment with it. And so the power of the enemy is the power of suggestion. It's lies. And the moment that we believe something that is out of alignment with the truth, it opens the door for him to gain leverage. To control because because watch this, he already knows that if we ever realized who we were and realized the place that has been granted through us through the victory of Jesus and ever function from that place, standing steadfast in that place, realizing that the victory of the cross and the power that is outflowing from the resurrection of Jesus, Philippians 3 10, Paul said that I may know him in the in the fellowship of his sufferings and the power that flows out of his resurrection there is a power that has been released through the resurrection of Jesus that the body of Christ is supposed to put on display in the earth the enemy realizes that so what does he do same thing he did with the man at the gate beautiful he uses circumstances oh did God really say you remember that's what he did That's what he did with Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. Did God really say? Because if he said, why hasn't it happened? Oh, uh, Did he really promise that he would give you life and that more abundantly? But look at your life. Your life has no resemblance to what these words say. So can you really trust this God that you say that you trust? Y'all are quiet. So I'm the only person that ever has dealt with that? And all of a sudden here's, here's, here's the lies. He says to Adam and Eve, he says, listen, you can't really trust him. This is at the heart of what he does in Genesis three. He said, you can't trust him because he doesn't want you to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because he knows that in the day that you eat of it, you'll be just like him lie. What was the truth? They were already just like him. Genesis 1:26, and God created man in his own image and in his likeness, he created him. Come on. They were already like God. But the lie of the enemy was he doesn't want you to be like him. You can't trust him. He doesn't have your best interest at heart. Now, let me show you a secret. This is what he says to Eve. I can show you how to get your needs met apart from him. You can do it yourself. I can show you how to fulfill your own desires and cravings. You don't need him because he doesn't want you to have what you need. He doesn't want you to, have to, to be able to experience these good things. So let me show you an alternative. You don't have to go through him. You can meet your own needs. You can fulfill your own dreams. Come on. So he says, look at the tree. We all remember this, look at it. Causes her, remember I told you about the gaze? See, you always know what spirit you're dealing with by what it desires for you to gaze on. Where Where it shifts your focus. Can I share something with you? Man, I'm just gonna talk today until the preach comes. It may not, but let's let's just see what happens. You guys still pulling on the Spirit of God? I don't prepare sermons, by the way. I don't have sermons. So whatever is pulled out, that's what comes out. Amen. Let me just say this. You know, if you look at your life, if we look at our lives... Anytime we become, our focus and our gaze becomes predominantly on ourselves, you're in trouble. If you become more conscious and aware of you than you are of him, then we're on dangerous ground. And this is one of the primary tools the enemy uses to suppress the body because that spirit is in the culture and it's crept its way into the church. Let me tell you something, the moment ah, he, he honestly, he's 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 defeated. He's he's really but he's smart. He's smart. Because what he does is he says the first tier of the strategy is to get us to not trust God's nature in his character. But the second tier is to shift your focus off of him and onto you. Anytime I become self-conscious more than I am God-conscious, then I'm playing right into The traps of the enemy. Your spirit is God conscious. Your soul is self conscious. Your flesh is world conscious. That's how God created us, tripartite beings. You need the consciousness of your body to be world conscious. It navigates your senses, your five senses—sight, hearing, touch. They're designed to to give you the ability to navigate the material world. Is that correct? The soul makes you aware of yourself, your felt needs, the things that impact you. That's your emotions, right? That's the places where you feel things like love and you feel passion and all of those things in the soul. The soul is aware of yourself. That's why when God breathed the breath of life into the lungs of Adam, the scripture says he became a living nephesh. That's the word for soul in the Hebrew Bible. He became a living soul. But it's your spirit that is conscious of God. And what the enemy wants to do is to get us to live primarily out of the soul. And here's why, because that's where trauma is experienced that's where disappointment is experienced that's where bitterness is experienced that's where anger is experienced that's where disappointment is experienced it takes place in the soul so when you've been beat and battered by life what's damaged not your spirit your soul And so if he can get us to live out of a broken, damaged soul, your spirit is perfect. Your spirit's been born again in the image of God. Through your spirit, you're seated together with him in the heavenly realms. Come on, Ephesians 2.6. He seated us together in Christ in the heavenly spheres. Your spirit is in one with union with Jesus Christ. I mean, if you know your soul is still in progress of being transformed. Yeah, that's, that's Romans chapter 12. It talks about, it says, listen, that's why you have to come into the place of allowing transformation to take place. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your... That you may prove what is the good and the perfect will of God. He starts to repent. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I will not want... He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my... Why? Does he restore the soul? Why does the shepherd lead you into a place where your soul is restored? The reason why is because that is the place of warfare. It's the place that the enemy leverages to keep us so centered on ourself and our felt needs that he can exploit and suppress the nature and the character of God from being made manifest through our lives. all day long how many of you have ever had your feelings hurt come on let's get honest how many times you, you had your feelings hurt and somebody did something to you and all of a sudden now you have heartache and you're heartbroken, and you know what happens the gravitational pull of self sucks you down woe is me they don't like me. They don't accept me. I'm not good enough. I'll never be enough. I wish I were more like this person. I wish I had that anointing or whatever. Do you know? So you see the common, there's one common word in all of the phrases that I just used. I. I. The Lord taught me this a long time ago. the moment that anytime my thoughts, the predominant trajectory of my thoughts are I, me. God, how am I gonna do that? How's that? See, we're not made to live that way. We're not designed to live that way. That's what the garden was all about. That's what the garden is a picture of. All of Adam and Eve's needs were met through their union with their creator. They had need of nothing, nothing. But the seduction was from the enemy, you're missing out on something. There's something that he hasn't allowed you to, and because he's not good, you gotta get it yourself. If you want it, you gotta get it yourself, and I'm gonna show you how to meet your own needs lie lie this is my first close <laughs> yeah i hope you guys don't mind just going at this pace because we could turn the jets on and go but i wanna i wanna i really feel like it's important this morning because as i quoted to you from daniel eleven thirty two, this is god's antidote to the domination of the spirit of Antichrist that we see at work in our world. See, that's what's happening in Daniel 11. If you know Daniel is an apocalyptic book, it's, an, it's a book that's centered around the conflict of the ages that ma- makes manifest in the end times. He's dealing with the spirit of Antichrist. It's a companion book to the book of Revelation, by the way. Can't even understand the book of Revelation without understanding the book of Daniel. And Daniel begins to say in Daniel 11, he's describing all of these forces. And he says, those that do wickedly, Daniel eleven thirty-two, 32, those that do wickedly against the covenant, will he seduce? with flattery. Who is he? Spirit of Antichrist. He's going to seduce the people who are not in alignment with the covenant. And he's going, to, he's going to be able to control and dominate them through flattery. But, here's the operative word, but the people that know their God will be strong. And do exploits. You know what the antidote to the antichrist spirit is? A people who know their God. And I gotta tell you something. Can I? Can I? I might step on some toes right here. Where's my time? Am I? Am I doing okay on time? I might step on some toes right here. But I, oh well, that's a. <laughs> Pastor Gerald said, "There's no clocks in here." <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to behave myself. Don't get nervous, I promise. But can I, can I just say this to you? Because there's a tendency for us to come into alignment with that spirit very unconsciously, and it sounds righteous. Yeah, the religious spirit. You ever heard of that? Here's what the religious spirit says. I need to pray more. I need to fast more. I need to do more. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk. See, you may not have heard those other things on the inside of you. You, you, you may have been past that place where you're having the, the eyes that are dealing with trauma because that's when you have experienced trauma, you go into a place of suspended growth. In other words, you never grow past the place where you experience the trauma. It's called arrested development. The enemy realizes that he traumatizes the soul. And even though you still physically are putting on age, you're still trapped back in the area, in your soul, in the in the inner you. You are trapped back in the place where that trauma took. How many of you have ever had friends and you keep hearing them rehearse the same thing? Every time you talk, they're talking about the same thing that happened to them. You know why? Because they're shackled to it. Because that trauma has chained them to that place in their development and they can never grow past it even though years and decades go by they're still stuck back there and they can't move into the fullness of what god has for them because the enemy has introduced trauma and they are still sitting in the place Of being carried to the gate and never going in the gate. Never going through the gate. In John chapter 10 and verse 9, Jesus said, I'm the door of the sheep. When they enter through me, they go in and find pasture. In other words, all of the kingdom opens up when they come through me, the door. Through me, not through them. They can never get it by by becoming so self Focus, they have to go through me, Romans eleven thirty six. 36. For of him, through him, and to him are all things. He's the originator of all, the owner, the rightful owner of everything. But watch that second word. Not only of him, everything finds its origin in him, but through him. The only way to make manifest the kingdom is through him. I know this sounds like a, like a tough, like a, is <laughs> a little, a tough line to walk, but I'm telling you right now, the religious spirit is always coming to. And do you, can I, can I just say this to you? Let's be honest in your human effort and trying harder. How's your results going? How's your results going? Are you, are you making it anywhere by trying harder? Matter of fact, you know what's happening? Hope is being deferred even longer, because the very thing that you hunger after seems for the more that it's you, the more that it's I need, I need, I need. The further away the satisfaction of your soul becomes, and hope is deferred. Proverbs 13:12, and it begins to make the heart sicker and sicker and sicker, and it's a vicious cycle. How many of y'all have ever watched a, her- a hamster or a gerbil on a wheel? Whole bunch of activity and no progress. That's what the enemy does with the body of Christ. Expending all kind of energy pursuing something that you can never attain. Through that, that will will never get that gerbil out of the can, out of the box. It'll never take him anywhere beyond where he currently is. And that's the vicious cycle of anything that is tied to self-effort. You'll chase and run and pursue, and you'll never go any further than where you currently are. No progress in the things of God through him, through him. Is this making sense? And so first we have to deal with the lie. We've got to come out of agreement with the lie. Because that thing has been plaguing mankind since the garden. I got to tell you, his, strat, his methodologies, 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 thank you finally, have not changed. They haven't changed. The three temptations that he put before Eve. Are the same, Paul said, all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, say it with me, lust of the eye, pride of life. Go back and look at the three temptations that took place in the garden. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. Remember the first thing he said? Look at it. Look at the tree. Lust of the eye. It's desirable for food, lust of the flesh. God doesn't want you to be just like him, pride of life. That's it. That's the only tools in his toolbox. Uh, We still okay? He has no, he has no, watch this, what he doesn't have. Remember when Jesus said all authority in Matthew 28, Jesus said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, you remember that? Yeah, all authority, which means that Satan has zero authority. Two different Greek words that we translate power in the New Testament, one of them is exousia, the other one is dunamis dunamis is powers where we get our word dynamite what satan does not have is exousia he does not have authority zero authority he does have power he's got dunamis he doesn't have exousia you're the one with the authority and even his power is extremely limited Jude verse 21 and the angels that did not keep their first estate has he confined in chains of everlasting darkness. Why is that important? Because the enemy's only place of dunamis is in the realm of darkness. So when things are kept in the dark. When 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 oh my gosh, do you you know how many of y'all have ever dealt with something? And you try to deal with it in your own head? And you're trying to work through your own problems and issues, but it's all in here, right? Try make trying to heal yourself, trying to make yourself better, doing everything you know how to do, you know what the enemy does? Loves that. Because as long as it's kept in darkness, that's the place he can exercise his power is when something is kept in darkness. What breaks his power is when you drag it kicking and screaming into the light. He has no authority when any the moment that something is brought into the light, he can no longer exercise power because the only legal domain he has to exercise power is in the realm of darkness. Ignorance. That's why the lie is so pervasive. He wants the body of Christ to keep trying harder and doing more and self effort and all of the stuff that you know why? Because your, 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 life, you become so weary in pursuing something that you never get. Your soul becomes so sick that you never lift your eyes. You never lift your eyes. You say all the right things. The hallelujahs, we jump up and down, we dance, we sing the worship song. You don't lift your eyes not on the inside. And that's what he wants, that's what he wants. But I'm telling you, there is a people that are going to know their God, the character and the nature of their God. See, this is why the Lord spoke to me a few months. This is my second close. I'm almost finished, literally. I feel the plane coming down. The Lord spoke to me several months ago, and he said, son, this third great awakening that you've been pursuing, the revival that you've been pursuing, he said, it's going to be a Psalm 34, eight awakening. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, there's the experiential side of God. Let me just tell you something, it's not enough in the in the greek mindset the word for knowledge in the new testament is the word gnosis it's very it's 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 an intellectual or mental ascent of grabbing hold of things in an in an intellectual capacity of understanding concepts and there's nothing wrong with gnosis gnosis is great but that doesn't transform And do you know that that was the original trap that the enemy gave to Eve? He says, you don't want to see right now. They were walking with God in the cool of the garden. They were were literally communing with him face to face. And the enemy somehow was able to seduce her to say that there's more than him. You can climb the tree of, what was it called? The tree of knowledge. You don't need experiential. You don't need intimacy. No, 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 no. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is get information, knowledge. Some of the most dysfunctional believers I know can tell you this. (laughs) Please don't get offended at what I'm about to say. They can tell you the measurements of the tabernacle, they can tell you how many stones were in the breastplate of the high priest and how, you know, how, how many furlongs the, the Noah's Ark was. And they can tell you all kind of, they have all kind of informations and, and information and facts running around in their, in, their, in their head, but there's no experiential side of this walk with God where they've actually experienced him. And that's the problem. Can I tell you there's a tension with people who are prophetic and this is a prophetic house. There's always a tension and the life of a prophetic person because there's this side of you that perceives and know things before they actually happen. And when you perceive things and your spirit becomes aware of realities that you haven't yet tasted, it ruins you in in the most beautiful way. It does. Come on. That's what... That's what Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 4 and 5 says. It says it's impossible for them who have tasted of the heavenly gift and of the power of the age which is to come. But what, what is, uh, I believe the apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. What is Paul saying? Paul says you have the ability to taste the power of an age that is not even here yet. That's the capacity that a believer has because while your feet are on terra firma, your spirit exists in the heavenlies and you have the capacity to taste things that are not even materialized in the world yet because you're an internal being and your spirit can grasp concepts and grasp realities that your mind hasn't caught up with yet. That chronos time hasn't manifested yet. Come on. And that's a blessing? And a challenge if we don't know how to handle it. You know why prophets are so easily, de- you know. You, have you ever heard of the reality of prophets? They're very easily depressed, they have very high highs, very low lows. I know this. I know this because I lived in the roller coaster. Y'all ain't never been on the roller coaster. Oh, I lived in the roller coaster, high highs, very low lows, because all of a sudden that's what that's That's what happens because as a prophetic person, your spirit in the place of intimacy, you get impregnated with realities. And then you start walking and you're saying, where is what I, where is this that I felt? Yes, it's hard, it's hard to hang with, I'm going to tell you, Jesus is a funny person. He really is. (laughs) When you start to know the Lord and you start to walk with him, he says crazy things like he did to the woman at the well. remember in John chapter four, he encounters the woman at the well. She comes to the well, she starts talking to him about Jacob's well. She my forefathers worshipped here on this mountain, and blah, 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 blah. You don't have anything to draw with. The well is deep. And I could go, oh, boy, I could go a whole bunch of places with that. But my whole point is, what Jesus is looking at her, and she says, listen, you Jews say that in Jerusalem is where we should worship. And our people say that on this mountain is the place of worship. And Jesus looked at her and said, woman, the time is coming, and now is. Huh? How can the time be coming, and now is? It's either one or the other. Either it's coming or it now is. That's, that's, how, that's our experience with how time works, come on. Either the time is now or it's coming. It can't be both simultaneously. But in the kingdom, in Christ, it's both. The time is coming and now is because you are a being of eternity. And we live in the tension of being those who are already seated with him in the heavenly realms and yet have to live on earth in this experience. And I'm about to tell you how you do that without tear, without fracturing your soul and tearing yourself your into pieces. So you're not crazy. Can I tell you this? You're not crazy. Nothing is wrong with you. This is the totally natural way that a believer is supposed to function. Yes, your spirit knows things that your soul doesn't know yet. You're not crazy for believing them. They're more real than this is. And prophets, prophetic people who get on that roller coaster because their heart is consistently in that place. They long and desire so much for the king and for his glory, for his kingdom to be made manifest. Know what the problem is? They get like Elijah. And all of a sudden you shift. There's a shift where Elijah starts to complain to God and the eyes start to come up. I alone know this stuff. I'm the only one left that knows. This is what he's saying to God. He's like, I'm it. There's nobody else. And. That right there where we feel like once the enemy can get us to feel like we have to do it. You got it. If you don't do it, it's not going to get done. That's why I'm okay. When I get up here, if, I, if the preach comes out, fine. If the glory falls and everybody falls out in their chair, wonderful. I can't make any of those things happen. I can't make those things happen. I don't I can scream loud and run across chairs and do cartwheels and spin on my head. It's not it, nothing that out of human effort is going to cause the effect. I already know as I'm ministering the word, I know in whom I've believed. I know what he's graced me with. I know the anointing that it 2 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14, through us, he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I know when I open my mouth, the fragrance and aroma of Jesus begins to permeate the atmosphere because it's his glory and his presence come on third and final close as a matter of fact please help me to shut up if you could play some music or something back there because I want to keep going <laughs> But I want you, I want, I, 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 when I came this morning, the Lord began to speak to me I had a dream last night. And in the dream, I saw there was leaders gathered together in a place that felt looked like a barn. And in the dream, all of a sudden I saw that these leaders were moving together and flowing together. Presence and the power of God was being made manifest. But the Lord began to speak to me about in many of our lives that there are traumas that have given rise to cycles. And I believe the Lord, one of the mandates for me being here today is to enter into faith with you to see the cycle broken. See, the enemy wants to keep us in that vicious place of pursuing things and never finding satisfaction, never tasting of the substance. Do you remember when the spies went into Canaan? Ten of them came back with a bad report. Only two came back with one that was good. And let me tell you why. Because while everybody else was looking at the giants, these two men were looking at the fruit. They actually carried grapes from the land on their shoulders. And when they got back to their brothers, they said, don't believe our words. Taste and see for yourself that it's a good land. If you don't believe, just don't listen to what I'm saying. Taste for yourself. That's where God is bringing the body of Christ, not just words and vocabulary. Substance. We won't preach a gospel that is devoid of substance. When we compel men to come, we're going to compel them to come and say, Don't believe my words. Taste for yourself. God wants us to be carrying the heavy fruit of spoils and victory in our lives so that men and women may eat of it, taste of it, and know that he's good. But you know what has to happen first? We have to taste it first. We have to experience it first. Tired of describing realities that I've never experienced. Tired of talking about things that I've never touched first John chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 and then we're gonna pray the things which we have seen and heard which our hands have handled concerning the word of life for we have both seen him and beheld him these things we declare to you so that your fellowship may be with us for truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ Translation, John says, the things that we ourselves have seen, handled, tasted of, the mere act of us declaring them to you opens the door for you to experience the same thing. Without the experiential side of knowing who he is, we're just saying words. Please stand with me. So i want to pray two things today you can turn that music up just a little bit more let's just begin if you pray in a prayer language why don't you just begin to just pray right now you should believe god to move i want you those who have experienced if you want, if What I've said today has found ground in you and you realize that there are areas in your life just like I realized that there were many in mine, didn't even understand why there was such brokenness. Things that happened even before I was born, when I was in my mother's womb, I was dealing with traumas that were not even my own, they were traumas experienced by my parents that passed down through the bloodline. But there was something limiting me and I always kept hitting this lid, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how disciplined I tried to become, I kept hitting this lid and I was never able to grow past these places of limitation, that place of arrested development. The Lord says that there is, a, there is freedom for you today. There's a lifting up of the downcast head. The Lord is saying, look upon me today. There is something that is getting ready to shift in your soul. The Lord is about to uproot the seeds of sabotage of the enemy that have kept you suppressed and, and in a place of not being able to move freely. in your relationship in your purpose and in your destiny. Come on, y'all, keep praying for just one moment. Keep praying for just one moment. I'm telling you, this is where it's at right here this is where it's at right here all we can long all day to make his kingdom manifest and to make his and to see his glory revealed but it only comes through the people that know their God and knowing God as I'm telling you it there is a place that the Lord of intimacy and encounter and experiential knowledge of who he is that he wants to bring us into he wants to unveil himself in ways that we've never seen him he doesn't want the circumstances and challenges of your life to be wasted for the Lord says that even in the midst of those things he is unveiling himself he's revealing his heart he's revealing his faithfulness and where your soul is saying where were you God the Lord is about to open your eyes to the realities that he has never left you nor forsaken you and you're going to see that nothing has been wasted all of your days were written in his book before even one of them came to be and he is the author and the finisher of your faith Here's the reality. Revelation chapter 5 says the lion of the tribe of Judah triumphed and was found worthy to open the books. What books? The books of mankind's redemptive history that Psalm 139 talks about. All of your days were written in his books. The only one word found worthy to open the books is the one who wrote the books. The only one that has been found worthy is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's been found worthy to open the books and loose the seals. What does that mean to you and I? The only one that can open the books is the one that authored them. And he filled them with good things and he'll never change his mind concerning you. The enemy cannot change one line of the purpose and the plan of God for your life. He cannot alter the books. What God wrote about you is true and it's ratified by the blood of the Lamb. Lift your hands for just one moment. I'm going to pray for you. The blood of the Lamb is the key here. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more through the blood of the eternal covenant will God cleanse our conscience from dead works that we may serve the living God? I'm going to pray for you right now through the blood of sprinkling that the the Hebrews 12.24 says, You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the great King, to an innumerable host of angels gathered together in festal gathering, to the church of the firstborn whose names are registered in heaven to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better words than the blood of Abel and so through the ratified blood of Jesus today father I speak over my brothers and sisters right now and father I say over them that by the blood of the lamb you shut the mouth of the liar and the accuser you vanquished the voice of the enemy that has played in their souls, Lord. I thank you for shutting his mouth and blotting out the ordinances that have been against them. Lord, the things the enemy has used as uh, accusations to suppress them and to get them, Lord, to stray away from your presence, just as Adam and Eve did. I say your days of hiding from the presence of God, your days of being centered in your soul are over. In the name of Jesus. Father, right now as a priest in your house, I say let the blood of the eternal covenant cleanse our consciences from dead works that we would be liberated to serve you. As an act of faith, why don't you just take your hand, lay your hand on your head right now. Just lay your hands on your head. be Urotos sekratasokum de shikrotose. Urabande de be fire of God. Fire of God. Father, I thank you. As many of you are laying your hands on your head, I see the Lord. There's a rewiring taking place in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, there's a rewiring taking place. Father, I thank you right now for your presence. I thank you right now for your presence. Holy Spirit, let the wind of your glory begin to sweep through this place. And Lord, I thank you that you're breaking the cycle. The Lord says that from this day forward, your feet are going to find traction. You're going to walk in the path of his commands and in the path of his delights. The Lord is lifting up your countenance right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you for lifting the countenance of your sons and daughters. I thank you, Father, that you're causing our gaze to return to you, that we're locking eyes with you again, that we're looking unto Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1, we're looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher. We're looking at the one that wrote the story in the books of our lives, the one that has been found worthy to open those books and that has brought them to their perfect fulfillment and completion. Lord, we look unto you today, and we thank you, Father, That your purpose for us is ratified by your precious blood you know every mistake that we would ever make every failure that would ever occur in our lives and yet you still shed your blood yet you still ratified the books of our lives through that blood so lift your hands one more time father I speak freedom over every person in this place today where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty we declare over you that that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the grave is also quickening your mortal body, quickening you and your soul bringing dead things to life so we declare over you now that any grave clothes and trappings just as Jesus said to about Lazarus after he called him out of the tomb he said go near to him and remove those grave clothes, go near to him and take off the things from his past that have defined him, that have limited him, when Lazarus came out of that tomb, he, would, he had heard the word of the Lord and responded to the word of the Lord but his ability to walk in it was frustrated because he was still bound in the clothing of yesterday he was still bound in the season that had defined him he was still in the tomb the trappings of the tomb the Lord says that many of you he has called you out of the place of confinement he's called you out of the place of darkness men and women have relegated you to the tombs they said you would never rise you would never amount to anything but the Lord has called you and you've responded to his voice but today the Lord says your season of not being able to walk out what he said to you not being able to move with liberty in the path of his delights and commands he's removing the grave clothes and the trappings of the previous season and the stains of yesterday the Lord says they are done they are over and he's removing them now stop clinging to them I just heard the Lord say don't Pick up the clothes of yesterday. You have been made new. You are not who you were. If any man or woman be in Christ, they're a new creation. They're a new species of origin. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You are not just a sinner saved by grace. You're saved by grace. And the restorer of souls, the good shepherd is restoring souls in this place today. I want to pray for this lady here. And the Lord says to you today, my sister, that the arande oret bokos krabetish kiteli bokosi. The Lord is saying over you this very day that he is uprooting the things that have been like tentacles that have bound and suppressed. And the Lord says that there's fresh oxygen coming not only into you, but into your generations. The Lord says that this day he is severing the tethers of the enemy that have limited your ability to walk out the purpose of your king. The Lord says you're a lover of of his purpose. You're a lover of his presence. And the Lord says to there is new Liberty and grace being released to you in Jesus name in Jesus name let's thank him I got one more person I need to pray for Rob I need to pray for you Lord showed me you and that you have a heart like David there's a very tender a tender posture of your heart you're so sensitive to the Lord and your heart is so large for him but there's a warrior on the inside of you and the Lord wants you to know that this very day That there is nothing that is in the chapters of your history that define what he's going to do with you in the present and in the future the Lord says there is nothing that has taken place in your yesterday that is going to sabotage your tomorrow the Lord is saying that there is even coming upon you the Lord says there is fresh wind coming to you and he says that he doesn't want your perfection he wants your obedience and as you begin to step out and just say yes Lord in areas as your heart is inclined to him The Lord says supernatural wind is coming upon the sails of your obedience and he's going to push you beyond the shores of your human limitation into the deep waters of his divine purpose. You are one that he's called to do business with him in the deep. He's calling you out of the boat. I want to lay hands, just lift your hands real quick. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you upon this man of God that even as I place my hand upon his chest, fresh fire is burning on the inside of him. Lord, I thank you for burning up the chaff in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, for bringing out of him, Lord, in the days ahead. You're causing the lion and the roar of the lion to emerge. Father, while he maintains the heart and the posture of a lamb, he will have the voice. And the authority of a lion, and I thank you for him now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and Father, I thank you also. I just see the Lord is rewiring. He's just He's rewiring some stuff, even in the mind. Oh, wow. So, Father, I just thank you right now as I lay my hand on my brother's head. There's a rewiring that's taking place. I thank you for the great grace that you're allotting him this very day. Not by might nor by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Man.
0: Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll let Chris catch his breath and finish his sermon here. Now. 5.30. Yep. Bring extra food. Bring somebody with you. I believe in he's setting me free forever for that. They I've got to do more. I never do enough. Like we do. It's not no over till he says it's over. In your name. Any other confession? you, some of you are playing on the edge and it's wrong edge. It's a slippery slope and you'll slide off and it's hard to get back. It's hard to get back. i will just put up with it about so long. I'm prophesying to some of you. God's given you a lot.
1: You're responsible for it.
0: Father, we thank you for what you said this morning. Help us. I decree it will not be stolen from us. Lord, thank you for this time. I decree this is a change in Ascension Church. It's a It can't change the church until it changes us. Lord, we go trusting in your finished work. And I speak blessings over the people in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 530.